Welcome to Mike at the Movies, the movie review podcast. This reel, reel eight, we're going to discuss three films, Dave from 1993, The Player from 1982, and The Fortress, also from 1982. So we have the early 90s edition of Mike at the Movies, welcoming uh, my usual co-host on other podcasts, such as the Heart and Osagi podcast, and Space Suplex is Matt. How you doing? Hey. How you doing? Yeah. All right. Cool, dude. It's great to be here. I'm all loosey-goosey for this. <laughs> Don't say such stupid things. I, I'll try not to. Hey, uh, by the way, it's only called Fortress. There's no is the. It? There's no it's the. It's just Fortress. Well, I'm it's so a sorry. fortress, not the fortress. Oh, so That's like a lot of other fortresses. Okay. Yeah, well. you could mistake it for one. For another one. Yeah. <laughs> well, in my fact, bad. in fact, there is another movie which just called Fortress. So, it's not that one. <laughs> well, that's nice. Whatever that one is. <laughs> that is correct. Because I looked this up, and that's when I found out about that one. I didn't look into it or anything. I just noticed that the cover for the one we're going to talk about with uh, um, uh, what's his fucking name? Christopher Chris- Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yeah. He uh, that that is a more of a dark black blue type of thing going on with the cover, and the other one's more sandy deserty shit colors. So that's why. That's how you know. Excellent. We're not well, doing the bright colors. No, no bright colors today. <laughs> Hence why I gave the name the year of the movie. So you know. <laughs> right. Um. So I guess uh, I think we'll just start off uh, with the most recent one that we have seen. Okay. Uh, so we'll start off with Dave from 1983. All right. Uh, let me go ahead and just, since I uh, asked you to watch this with me. Yes, I did. Uh, for, you did. I don't mean, um, remember what made us watch it, but we watched it kind of on the whim tonight. Um, but anyways, I just want to mention, just to go over, like, say, this short plot summary on IMDb, just to get people caught up if they don't know what it's about. I'll just read it. It says, uh, I haven't, I'm not good at reading, so forgive me. <laughs> uh, Bill Mitchell is a floundering and distant president of the United States. Dave Kovac is a sweet-natured and caring temp agency operator who, by a staring coincidence, looks exactly like the president. As such, when Mitchell wants to escape an official luncheon, the Secret Service hires Dave to stand in for him. Unfortunately, Mitchell suffers a severe stroke whilst having sex with one of his aides, and Dave finds himself stuck in the role indefinitely. The corrupt and manipulative chief of staff, Bob Alexander, plans to use Dave to elevate himself to the White House, but unfortunately, he does not count on Dave enjoying himself in office, using his luck to make the country a better place and falling in love with the beautiful First Lady. I gotta tell you, uh, one of the things that was wonderful and laughably stupid but hilarious, especially for a movie of this vintage, right. is the fact that the uh, acting president in the actual movie has a has a stroke from having sex. Yes, I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> yes, you're in a coma from having such great sex. It's so good, it literally blows you into a coma. 
amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. It is great. So this is a 1993 movie directed by Evan Reitman. Um, Kevin Klein, of course, plays both the supposed best sex ever and now into a coma president and also, of course, Dave that takes over for him. Obviously, that makes the most sense, you know. And, of course, Sigourney Weaver plays his, plays the first lady, whatever the hell her character name is. Because how can I, oh Ellen that's right he does say that sometimes in the movie but I forget the only time I remember it was when he initially meets her and they have to walk on the balcony and he's like thanks for doing this Ellen yeah you never change fucking bitch <laughs> <laughs> so uh, oh yeah I, I remember now how I got you to watch this because there was this recent news. Oh, it's so unprecedented that when Trump did the um, State of Union yesterday or today or whenever the fuck it was, that he they didn't arrive together. Him and Melania didn't arrive together. They arrived separately. Mm-hmm. Like this is some big scandal or some shit. Like anyone should give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, hey, I know. We'll watch Dave because that's exactly because you can tell they don't love each other. They're fucking distant as fuck too. And Dave. With the with the Bill Mitchell, uh, president character, and then the first lady character, I remember them. I remember the movie, and I was just like, "Yeah, they hate each other too." Like Sigourney Weaver comes in there, like she's like, "Fuck you," attitude. So it's great. <laughs> there wasn't as much of that as I expected, based on what you were telling me earlier. Right. Yeah. And it kind of led me to believe that there's a lot more of that. I kind of wish there was. I will admit, I wish there was. I wish there was more. It's very cathartic. A little bit we got anyway, so. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I kind of liked it. Uh, I didn't think it was great, but um, it's a family but, picture. It's a family picture, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much what I would expect from this kind of movie at the time it was made. You know, fish out of water, kind of. Oh, I have to be the president because. Uh, for longer than expected. <laughs> High drinks ensue, you know. Oh, it's a it's a wonderful time during but during Clinton's first term, so you know, we're all just like, wow. Which I assume it was probably it's prob- most likely written and filmed before he took office, before he's even elected. That's my guess. Because... Yeah, at least they're and it, well, you can also tell that. Um, they kind of they kind of picked the guy and styled the guy that's the president on screen, sort of similar to, I mean obviously it's obviously not looking like Clinton at all, but you know it's more of a guy who looks you know in a similar kind of vein as Clinton, so I think that's maybe sort of, I guess yeah uh, I mean it's if you're not thinking about Clinton it doesn't make you think of him, but it is very much that type of look. If you're going for that type of look, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. I think you're. I think you're full of shit here. But <laughs> I wasn't saying exactly. Well, no specifics. Bad. I'm saying, but you know, I think I would say my favorite character in this movie has to be Ving Rhames as Dwayne Johnson. I mean Stevenson. <laughs> the. Uh, the main uh, Secret Service guy that uh, 
Dave interacts with. Yeah. Uh, I think he's uh, pretty likable in this. Um, yeah, he's always got this tough guy persona going on, but he's kind of like, oh, that looks nice. Oh, do you think I look good in a sweater? Oh, yeah. My neck look a little thick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sadly, the some of the, you know, some of the uh, uh, ideas and the overall tenor of the Dave character as he's doing the quote-unquote presidency, as far as he's concerned, sadly, it's uh, something still relevant that we need to go get to today, which is pathetic. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I I I thought it was a, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I liked uh, Scorny Weaver, uh, you know, but uh, Ben's King, Ben's, Ben Kingsley uh, makes a nice late appearance, though. <laughs> we don't need to see the vice president until a lot later. Yeah, um, I liked, uh, he plays, uh, what is it, Vice President Nance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, he gets sworn in as president, the 45th president. That stuck out. Yeah. They, they really like, thought we just, they just imagined we just like speed through the presidents in, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Instead of having three in a row that went eight years. Which is time. funny because even if they didn't, if they all first terms, that's still, that would still be like 2004 that we'd get to that. Before we'd get to that one, yeah. Which is still okay. 11 years after this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that was hilarious. What was the other thing that stuck out? Oh, is the impeachment thing? Uh, the 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 uh, pardoning of him of himself of the president doing himself, which is a oh, line yeah. I never. Th- which line under, you know, when this came out uh, up until recent, you know, before this presidency, current presidency, I guarantee it goes over your head. You don't think about it because you're like, because yeah. you would just be a, it would just be an automatic. Don't need to think about it. Of course, he would. The president would not or cannot one of the two, uh, wouldn't pre- uh, be able to. Uh, um, pardon, pardon himself, himself. Mm-hmm. yeah but now we're talking about it because trump is most likely going to be sometime in the next couple of years the probably try to be, have impeachment hearings against him probably less than a year from now and uh we're all <laughs> and then the talk has already been will he impeach himself is that even a thing can you do that william why would himself? you i think you mean pardon pardon okay. i can't okay yeah. whatever yeah well he already has done he's already impeached himself of course, I'm concerned. <laughs> um, the money laundering alone is enough, but regardless, is that even a thing that you can pardon yourself? I mean, I would hope not, but if it isn't, if it is a thing, then why wouldn't anyone just do it? Yeah, that's, that's, really that's why you shouldn't have that. It should not be like I get why he can do it to other people. I'm mean, hell. Mm. Trump already did it to Sheriff Joe Ohio, so there you go. But, uh, well, he can do that, but he can't. Well, we're just talking about him doing it to himself. Which right, that's a, what I mean. I mean, yeah. that's what I mean. That's what I was, that's what I was saying. Is that I can understand why you could do it for anyone else, but you should not be able to do it to yourself because that pretty much says you are guilty. Well, it also says he's above the law and he can do whatever he wants, which is right. Can't we can't have that? Can't no, have that. Can't. Yeah. What are we? What are we? The countries we claim to hate. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. We are. I know. <laughs> But believe it or not, we're talking about a family picture. Um, so yeah, uh, lots of uh, fun 
interesting things that when you look at it through 2018 eyes, this uh, 1993 film seems kind of almost relevant. <laughs> Especially when he's making that, making the uh, speech in the in Congress at the end of the movie before he goes back, faints and goes back to his old life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> faints in quotes. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, there was a there was something else I was trying to remember. I wanted to bring up. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> I forgot clues what you were going you can on. Drop? What? Any clues you can drop so I can remain, hope you remember? No, not really. I'm completely out of it on this. Um, <laughs> geez. Well, they they did. They had a lot of uh, like near the end of the film, talking about the quote unquote job for every American program that they brought up in the film. Yeah, they had they had real uh, actual sitting uh, congressmen and senators uh, talk about it on film, as if they um, fucking were in favor of it, or they're not. As in, uh, I forget their names now, because um, none of them are there anymore, as far as I know. Isn't Chris Dodd still there? Uh, I guess he might be. I don't remember, but um, the rest definitely aren't, as well, far as I can tell. Let's see here, because I know they're going to say as himself, as herself. So, um, let's see if I can find him. But um, you were you 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 wanted the you were mentioning something real quickly about Oliver Stone at the end when he showed up real quick. Yeah. What did you say? I said I said he was. They were doing a mock thing with him uh, having a. Uh, basically, he acted like the president was some kind of conspiracy was going on, and I'm like, "Wow, that's 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 a lot like the real Oliver Stone." Yeah, right. Yeah, delving in conspiracies. So, yeah, no kidding. Uh, the um, the the I don't think he was at the time, but um, uh, Thomas O'Neill, Tip O'Neill, as most people know him as. Was actually was an actual um, speaker of the house during the 80s and early 90s, so he was in the film. Um, and those uh, ones arguing about the the proposed legislation in the film was Howard Metzenbaum, senator from Ohio. Um, Alan Simpson was the one that was arguing against it, and he was a uh, uh, fuck. He was also in Congress, and for real. I just can't find details because that's not what IMDb is for. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then what else was there? Oh, uh, well, shit. There was also a bunch of like media celebrities that were like, like, uh, what's his name? Chris what? Uh, Chris Matthews. Look, yeah, yeah. They actually, they do show his name on uh, the uh, Wikipedia entry. So I was right when I when I picked out his voice in one of those uh, bits. Yeah, he, he, was in, he was in the... The McLaughlin Group uh, uh, segment, which is actually also was a long time running 
plucker program for real so for reals it's actually a john mclaughlin no but the show is called the mclaughlin group oh oh yes but yeah yeah yeah, that was him okay there as well lots of really reals people for reals yeah pretty much (laughs) so So it's a it's a decent movie um so i don't know if you've been on here before i can't remember but (laughs) we we i but we um would have done this show with you before yeah i can't podcast yeah i have okay i'm an idiot i I probably should have remembered that anyway but the point is that okay just like last time or any other time um, real five have you i was on real five. Oh, were you okay we talked yeah. about uh mad as hell oh yeah that's and, right and goldfinger so I, I was also on real three okay so yeah i mean <laughs> i don't remember anything cause it's been a while so uh <laughs> so <laughs> all right so we uh, we at the end of all these of course uh I implore you to give a letter rating of the movie in question. So for Dave, what would you give it? Out of it's a it's a letter grade scale. So okay, so like school grade, letter grade. Yep, pluses and minuses included. Yep. Uh, I have a soft spot for this movie, so I'd probably lay it a little higher than you. Maybe you or somebody else would. Probably mainly, mainly because it's kind of funny because I forget how I initially saw it, but I definitely saw it in the early '90s. Probably mm-hmm. maybe not right away, but soon after, maybe like 94, 95. And I always remembered it. And I even was like, what's the name of the movie? Because Dave is a real fucking lame name for a movie. And it's not something you'd remember. So I definitely didn't for a long time. But then eventually I did. It was like, what is it? The, the, the guy who pressed the president? So going Reavers in it? And I was always like that. But anyways, I, I always kind of get kicked out of the movie. I still like it a lot. Um. But I can understand it's kind of like blah, whatever. Uh, uh, I give it a B minus. It's funny. I also give it a B minus. Wow, that is not lower than me. No. <laughs> In fact, I feel like you gave it lower than I expected. <laughs> what were you thinking I was gonna give it? Like a B plus or something? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're in agreement. Yeah. Here, Mike of the movies. B minus for Dave. Yeah, we'll shake on that. Over the internet. Yep, shake. There we go. <laughs> we'll do we'll do the we'll do the handshake. We'll do the handshake. It'll sound like a dial-up internet. Yeah, um, that's there you go. That's as close as we can get. Yep, because that's actual hand. That's what they call it, handshake. So. <laughs> we agree to give you internet for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next up, we'll have uh, you, Matt, talk about Fortress. Did you say the again? Did you say the again? I did not say the. Okay. I mean, I just did just there, but, you know, by itself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Fortress, from, also from 1992. Yes. <clears throat> Quick summary Like the here. one after this, but not not like Dave. Dave's 93. Anyway. Yes. We'll talk about Fortress. All right. So, Fortress. The plot here, let's just go with a synopsis real quick. Or a a summary, I guess I would say. In the futuristic USA, it's forbidden to give birth to more than one child for each woman. As usual, you can't escape to Mexico 
to uh, avoid the authorities in USA, which is exactly what John and Karen Brennick were trying to do when Karen is pregnant with her second son or second child. Uh, their first child was born dead. When they think they have made it, they are discovered and put in prison for 31 years. A modern prison called The Fortress, where the prisoners are controlled by lasers, neutron cannons, cameras, mind scanners, and electronic pain devices in their stomachs. Um, what were they called? Intestinators is what they called them in the movie. Uh, with those odds, John still plans to escape with his wife. So that's that. Well, that sounds uh, like a schlocky fucking movie, all right. All just right. from the summary. That's right. Well, of course, one of the things that I can never do is most there'd be times in the movie where I'd hear Christopher Lambert talk. And, of course, you know, his voice is very distinct. So I immediately think eventually he's going to talk about how that some people have been chosen for the Tournament of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I know most people would be like, what are you talking about, Highlander? But, yeah, I, I know him for Highlander. I don't, I don't, I never watched none of that, so... But hey, in this our case, first big time with him was Mortal Kombat. It was. I knew him before <laughs> that, but I didn't really watch anything he was in. So yeah. So he was a name from that I knew, but I just never watched him anything before that. So anyways, um, so Kirk, Kirkwood Smith, as people know from uh, movies, I guess like RoboCop, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. He was also he, the what? What's his face? The dad in a was that seventy show? Yes. So, as typical in this point in his career, he would play the bad guy, especially one of the major ones. And so he plays the uh, prison director and the, the, you know, the warden or whatever you want to call it. And so what happens is they um, become property of this company which escapes me for this moment because, well, I don't know why. Uh, it's, um, don't know why I can't find it. Uh, but anyways, they become a property of this corporation and they control the prison here. And Mentel? Yes, Mentel. Mentel. That's yeah. right. Thank you for finding that. Yep. And the whole time, so what they do is they put this little ball in, this like metal ball in, you know, circuitry and electronics and shit. And they forcibly make him swallow it. And that's the thing that's called the intestinator. And basically it's, if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, they can, the director of the prison can just, uh, just say, say, tell the, um, Z10, which is the control. Uh, Z is the uh, computer. They, the, uh, it's a woman's voice you constantly hear. That's what it sounds like. And so he'll just say, intestinate, blah, 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 the name of the person. And that would, uh, it would cause them pain. Um, in fact, it could go so far as to um, explode and kill them if, uh, if whatever need be, I guess. In fact, to one point where they uh, near the uh, near the end of the movie, they uh, 
he tells them to do a mass intestinate, which means everyone's down on the ground going, oh, it hurts. <laughs> but the thing that always f- was funny to me was that the whole point of this was, you know, they had that rule where you couldn't only have one child. And, but yet the first one died. So I don't understand. Like, it makes more sense if they didn't have that plot point. But they did have that plot point, and it is a thing they do bring up every so often to remind you, which never made any sense to me. I'm like, okay, I understand if you want to have one child that's living, but if you're attempting to have another child because the other one died, why does it matter? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But regardless, we're in the predicament we are. <laughs> and so what happens is, um, obviously, it's all about just escaping once he's in there. And eventually, he gets to um, a point where um, they found a way to... Okay, this one prisoner that's, uh, like, basically like a bully and basically is allowed to, like, start fights and shit. And they don't really seem to get after him much, for whatever reason. Eventually, uh, Brennick and this guy gets um, into a fight to the point where uh, they pre- the the director is pretty much like, yeah, I just let him fight to the death. And so eventually, um, because Brennick won't kill him or push him off or whatever the fuck off this, you know, off this uh, ledge or some shit. So he, uh, so the, um, so the director then decides to use an intestine in him to just to kill him. So he does, I forget exactly how it happens, but somehow they get he he got an intestinator didn't didn't like detonate or some shit. I forget if it's that point or some other thing. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. So the test, intestinator doesn't go off in the guy for whatever reason. So they just decide to use this like gun that locks in on that thing so that they can aim and kill the person with a traditional like mobile gun or some shit. So that's why it doesn't go off. So it comes out of him, and he, and uh, Brennick then picks it up, and he stores it for later. Ultimately, it becomes a thing where they got this nerdy dude who can rework it to like become a magnet, so he can get the ones in, in them out of them, which by just basically like magnetizing it and then moving it up their their body until they basically puke it up. And then it eventually gets to the point where they do that to everybody that wants to escape. That's a lot of puke. Well, you don't see it. Oh. So. Well, you know, just you said it, everyone happens to everyone eventually, right? So. No, 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 no. This is just the ones that w- they want to get it out of oh, so they can okay. escape. So it's only about five people. Oh, still a lot of puke. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm sure it's somewhere. It's on the cutting room floor. <laughs> and... So then um, they use it as a, a way to, you know, detonate the this one. They explode this pipe open so they can get out. But that goes awry and shit, of course. Eventually they try to get out, but the they, like, do hot steam in there or some shit so you can't. But all this happens, and then the director is uh, shown to be not fully human for whatever fucking reason. And that's the whole reason that they, like, if you have... An, uh, one too many kids. That's the whole reason they lock up the women so that they can make them the 
property of Mentel and turn the kids into these uh what fucking have you freaks and what cyborgs not exactly but whatever i'm not sure what i don't even know if they really gave it a name but just not all there what can i say but but eventually the uh zed uh program or security program or whatever computer decides that even the director is not above everything and she eventually destroys it kills him somehow i forget exactly and uh but so all this happens of course eventually the two do get out brennick and his wife and and even the uh i forget one of the um one of the the one there was one person that he meets in there a young kid and uh he's out with him i guess and then somehow despite the fact that it seemed like that the uh, one of our characters the nerdy character uh put a virus into the computer program. i'm gonna guess that was d-day i'm guessing i don't remember his name <laughs> it says d-day on the uh the wikipedia page it says comma computer geek <laughs> it doesn't so pretty much uh i think <laughs> i figured it out without watching <laughs> yeah i guess you did <laughs> yeah that's weird um so, so what happens is, so then he gets out, but yet somehow the computer st- um, somehow remote controls this this uh, this um, re- remotely starts and this uh, truck they uh, left and uh, escaped in, and I just I thought that was the stupidest thing ever. So I'm like, of course this would happen. What the fuck? Why does it got to do that? So it kills the kid that was with him. Or run him over some shit. And then, I don't know, just, I guess they destroy it eventually, but it's like, that was that was dumb at the end. Like, that was attacked on bullshit. Just let him drive off to the sunset. Fucking God. <laughs> so anyways, overall, it was it was fine. It's it's nothing you need to go out of way for, but <laughs> if you don't, if you like, if you want to, if you need an excuse to watch a, or want an idea for a stupid schlocky fucking action film, Fortress is for you, I guess. <laughs> so, what's your letter grade for Fortress? Uh, I'd give it a solid C, I guess. Right, called it right down the middle, Daddy. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to our final film, we're going to talk about The Player, also from 1982. So many 90s here. Anyway. Um, yeah, so you want me to write, read about that one first? Yeah, sure. Summary. Um, yep. Let's pick a random one here on IMDb and read it off. So I'll go for a shorter one. Uh, Griffin Mill is a studio executive who is responsible for accepting or rejecting the pitches of potential feature films. With his career on the line and an impending possibility that he might be replaced by a rival upstart, Griffin now finds his life threatened by an anonymous screenwriter whose pitch he rejected long ago. Drawn into a web of blackmail and murder, Griffin must evade the police investigation that he caused, but he must also watch his back, because in Hollywood there's always another person to take your place. Yep, and uh, this is basically a, a comedy satire 
uh, about the Hollywood and Hollywood system by Robert Altman, that's the director, and uh, Griffin Mill, the main character starring, is acted by Tim Robbins. Um, there's a ton of uh, of additional like cameos of celebrities, of other actors, who go by their own self in order to uh, fill out the, the feeling that this is, you know... Very, very similar to Dave and how they had a lot yeah, of real life people. Yeah, exactly. It's to fill out the, uh, like, this is really real type of thing. You know, this is actually Hollywood, or in that right. case, it really is Congress slash the presidency, whatever kind of thing. Um, so, uh, but some, some of them, you know, obviously are playing actual supporting characters and not themselves, like Whoopi Goldberg is playing the Pasadena uh, officer that, uh, eventually questioning brings uh griffin in for questioning which is a really good scene and funny shit um um most everybody else besides tim robbins and whoopi goldberg is i would say are mostly uh, very little known uh actors and actresses um but uh one of the ones that sticks out to me is because we know him from uh Tango and Cash is Brian James. He yes. he plays a. What's he playing here? He plays Joel a. I didn't even. I don't know if I even knew that character's name, and I've seen it four times because <laughs> 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 it doesn't really come up that I can remember. Right. But uh, but he plays the the actual studio executive. Um, uh, I think I think he's supposed to be the head of the actual studio that Griffin Mill is, you know, for. Like, I guess, I think, I don't remember. Something like that. Um, but yeah, this, uh, effectively this movie is just saying, you know, that, you know, Hollywood makes a, makes a bunch of garbage films and we need to make, we need to make quality over quantity. It's basically what it's saying in the end. <laughs> That's pretty much the thesis <laughs> yeah. uh, overall. Uh, but it's, uh, I find it very entertaining every time I see it. Um, so I like uh, I like Tim Robbins a lot. You know, he he went on, if, you know, the next two years later to make uh, you know Shawshank Redemption, which is even better than this one. But I still like this one a lot. Um, so this was your first time with it. Yeah. So what kind of uh, anything stick out about to you about the movie that you liked? Well, liked. I thought it was funny that the whole time the the movie that that guy that tracked that he tracked down and ended up ultimately uh, killing accidentally mm-hmm. that the the this movie was that movie wasn't that right? Well, like the the story of this movie, the player was effectively what he wanted what he was talking about. Yeah, oh, no, well, that, yeah. No, 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 that wasn't his action. No, Wait, hold on. No, no, it was the, at the time when they're at the he's meeting somebody at uh, poolside of somewhere, mm-hmm. and then uh, who was it that came up and was asking him about and laying down a? I forget exactly now. God damn it! But um, yeah, my whole solution was that they just made the movie that they. They were the whole time they were making the movie that you thought was real life. That's what it felt like to me. 
Well, you're reading it a little incorrect. Well, a lot incorrectly, actually. <laughs> what what happened is the the people you're referring to that, you know, they make multiple pitches during the movie. One, right. one to Griffin Mill at poolside, as you mentioned, that he was supposed to meet someone else during that scene. He's, he's right. supposed to, and then he's supposedly supposed to meet the one who's sending the postcards. Right. And then they make the same pitch on the at his at Griffin's office to one of his other executive buddies. While he's driving in a car. Right. And that is not the movie, that is not the ending that you're referring to. There, theirs was the, uh, they were trying to make, make to act like they're making this, uh, like this is kind of an example of what the whole movie's thesis is, is that they were pitching a serious movie that was actually like supposed to have a sad ending and not a good ending at all. Right. And then I think they called it habeas corpus in the film. Mm-hmm. And they actually, uh, and of course, before the actual ending of the movie, they show it that it was made and it was screened for the executives and all the things they said they didn't want, which was great. They actually put in and they made a happy ending with Bruce Willis as a cameo and uh, Julia yeah. Roberts. And they uh, and then they pretend like that was their plan the whole time just because, oh, what do you mean? The, the original endings uh, uh, screened horribly for uh, whatever, uh, you know, so we we changed it. <laughs> and they act like right. that, that they were perfectly fine with it, which which is not what wasn't their original pitch at all, which is pretty funny to me. Um, but no, what, what what you're referring to is the actual ending of the movie, where uh, Griffin Mills on the phone in his car, he's driving to his home with the that one guy that the guy uh, I think it's her brother or whatever that she. Uh, it's the, the character's June, uh, and she, uh, you know, is pregnant with his baby at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, while he's driving there, he gets pitched the actual movie we're watching by right. the by the guy who was sending him the postcards the whole time, telling him he wanted to kill him. Right. Yep. Because, so, I think that I think I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, you were just mixing up the two things in the movie, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually pretty funny to me. And I, I like how, uh, how, uh, Robert Altman pitched, pitches it. Like when I saw the footage for the, the extras and the Criterion Collection version I just recently got where he's doing it at the, uh, Cannes Film Festival in 92 or something like that, where he says, where part of his pitch he would say to people at the time when he wanted to make it, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a movie where, uh, where this movie executive, uh, gets these, uh, postcards and, but, but he, uh, he, he, uh, mistakenly kills the wrong guy and gets away with it. And, uh, you know, a happy ending. That's what he would say. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's actually that's actually part of the satire is that you know he does get away with it and it still and it still ends up being a stereotypical happy ending at the end where yeah. he uh, but yet yeah, all the while he gets pitched the actual movie we just watched which was pretty funny but uh, I don't know if you picked up on this but uh, there is a it's not explicitly 100% told you who the actual postcard guy is. But he is in the movie. I don't know if he ever knew who it was. 
I don't think it did. <laughs> the only way you can really pick up on it is by listening to his voice because he only appears in one scene. And so you have to remember that voice and then the voice match that with the voice of the guy is talking on the phone with him while he's driving to the house, pitching the movie to him. Okay. It, it's actually, uh, it's actually the, uh, at the, in the funeral scene, the one that he killed, David Kahane, uh-huh. when he's standing there watching this guy talk on the mic, uh, in front of the people at the funeral, that's actually the guy who was sending him the postcards. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> yep. The one that was speaking about the uh, deceased. Well, he's mostly. Well, yeah, well, I mean, he was there for that, but that's. I don't think that's what he was talking about during that film. He was talking. Well, well yeah, sort of, kind of. Uh, he was also talking about being a writer himself as well, which is, of course, is the kind of person that was calling, that was sending him the postcards. So, yeah, apparently that was the guy. I never picked up on that. <laughs> I mean, it's not really that important. It's just uh, funny because that's actually something that brought, came up in that same con film festival and the extras for this version. That there was a uh, someone in the press and at that at that press conference asked the director right to himself, like you know, was there any uh like they they didn't pick up on it either so they actually asked you know who was it actually and he's like he gave them a hint and then said you just have to watch it again (laughs) (laughs) something like that (laughs) that's good so what's your uh what's your letter grade for the player oh let's see i'm definitely gonna be lower than you I know that for a fact. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was an interesting movie, but I don't know if I'd ever be interested. It's, it doesn't, like, pull me back to see it again, which was what it would need to do to get even an A-. minus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's going to disappoint you, but I'm going to say B. A B. That's a solid choice. I'm going to go with... Probably not as high as you think I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't do it then. <laughs> no, I'm just... My letter grade for the player is a B plus. Oh, shit. That's definitely not as high. No, I I, th- I understand what you mean by, you know... Maybe I, tr- maybe I uh, sold it to you, the bill of goods, a lot more to you than... And it got hyped in your mind more than it actually is. So I'm not going to deny I probably has a problem with, uh, you know, the way you ultimately felt. <laughs> I'm a fault here. I'm a fault. But but honestly, I think more or less why I feel the way I do so strongly about it, and despite still just giving it a B plus, is because uh, it's because it's not that well known. And I and uh, you know when people think Tim Robbins, usually to think of Shawshank Redemption or something like that, right? Right. Which is understandable. It is the better film. But I actually think this is underrated. So. While not the best, I still like to go back for it because it's just not that well known. And the fact that they got a Criterion Collection released that I, in 2016 that I didn't know about until recently, and that's how we watched it, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I just I really uh, think it's totally worth it seeing it if you're if you like Tim Robbins at all, you know, or the idea of the film. I think it's really fun. Yeah, it was fine. 
Well, that's good. <laughs> so, so that'll be all for this edition of Mike at the Movies. Um, any last words, Matt? Yeah, you can uh, catch me at uh, heartarchive.wordpress.com for my bo- two uh, podcasts that I also do with this inconceivably retarded fuck. Um, That's what I am. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It depends on the day. Minute, <laughs> hour, second. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can also check me out at Heart Knight on Twitter. And I am... Uh... Psychic704 on Twitter. I also recently got an Instagram account. It's like underscore 704 because for some reason that name was actually taken for once in my life uh, on an account for a website <laughs> before I signed up. Uh, but uh, I have that too. And I also have Psychic704.wordpress.com uh, as well. And same name without the underscore everywhere else that you can get me such as YouTube as well. So thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time.